Welcome to Not Over, Just Different. I'm your host, Natalie Ledwell, founder of Mind Movies, the ultimate personal development tool to visualize and achieve your greatest life. This podcast is for women who are looking for inspiration and guidance as they navigate the changes that come through moving through the various stages of life, or for anyone asking themselves, who do I want to be? Now, on this transformational show, I'll be talking to inspiring people from all walks of life about their stories of how they faced and overcame life's challenges in powerful ways. These are raw, candid conversations, often not shared until now. We'll be discussing topics like health, relationships, life's transitions, aging gracefully, and learning to see life from a fresh new perspective. We explore what it means to continually grow and evolve as your world changes and live a fulfilling life. As well, we'll provide you with amazing tools and resources to help you move through change with courage and resilience. So if you're ready to take the plunge and start your journey to becoming your most powerful, authentic self, then join me, Natalie Ledwell, on Not Over, Just Different for insightful conversations about how to tackle life's new chapter. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast for this week. Now, this week, we're going to be talking about a subject that we don't talk about enough. It's one of those touchy subjects. It's one of those things that we find very difficult to navigate through, not only if we're feeling it ourselves, but also if the people that we love are also feeling it. And so today, we're going to be uh, talking about grief. And to join me in this conversation, I have Sharon Brubaker here with me. How are you, Sharon? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I am very, uh, I'm looking forward to this conversation because, uh, you know, part of the purpose of this podcast is to open up conversations that we should have more of. Um, and, yeah. you know, and grief is one of those things, you know, especially after what has happened in the last couple of years. I was actually with a, a woman at a conference last week and uh, she has lost 22 people during the pandemic. 22. Wow. That's a massive loss. I've had friends of mine who have very suddenly lost a child to just random, you know, things. But there are so many reasons why we, we, we would feel grief, right? Yeah. So this is an interesting subject uh, for you to be a specialist in. <laughs> so what... What attracted you to this this field or this to this subject? So the field picked me, believe it or not. And um, quite often I tell the story of that I was always looking for what mark I was going to leave on this earth. I feel like we all should leave the earth in a better place that we found it. Even your show is doing that, right? We have to leave the earth in a better place that we found it. And in 2006, I was a real estate agent. And I was sitting in a uh, realtor's open house and my daughter called me screaming in the top of her lungs that she had lost my nephew. It was three hours after that initial phone call, we found out that he had drowned right there by the boat and he was taken over by carbon monoxide on Father's Day weekend. And honestly, here is my thought. This doesn't happen to us. This happens to people far off. And it was even funnier. It was like, I got... This happens to people in the Midwest. I don't know why I thought that. But I, I started out on a mission to find out everything that I could about grief. Because 
we are grievers. We're dying to talk about grief. Yes, as a society, we're ill-prepared. Even today, we're still not talking about, just like you said, she lost 22 people. We're still not talking about grief. Mm. Here and there, you get little tidbits, but what if we were to make it a normal conversation? What if, what if we normalized it? How much better would it be for all of us? So I, yeah, I believe that grief found me. It does become a weird conversation. And so you end up with not a lot of friends. People think I'm going to be talking about it all the time, but that's not the truth. No, no. And it has its time and place. Now, when we were talking before we started recording the podcast, that wasn't the only time you had to bring bad tidings to your sister. No, no, unfortunately, no. So 10 years after Austin drowned, I received a phone call uh, from the police department in Texas and found out that her 21-year-old son had been killed in a motorcycle accident. And honestly, when I answered the phone and found out it was a police officer, I thought he was going to tell me that Donovan had been arrested. There's no way that I would have thought that. No way. Another child. And so I had to give her the news again that another one of her children had been killed. Yet the grief showed up different this time. Mm. It, she was angrier. She was really pissed off at the world. She was upset with God. I already gave one. And it started, I observed, I started to become the observer and I started to notice that she was really resisting healing. She didn't want to have anything to do with the healing. She was just so mad. And so it, it prompted me to really observe her. And I created a second program that I call Processing the Pain of Grief, which I lead new grievers through because the most, the, one of the most things that we often do is we put our hands up and we refuse to go down the healing journey because we don't know what we're doing. It looks like a dark tunnel. Who wants to go that way? Who wants to grieve? Nobody. Yeah. And it's also, I, you know, for me, if I was in that situation, is that if I go down that road, I'm never coming back. It's going That's, to completely yeah. envelop every piece of my being. So yeah. it's scary, right? It's, it's such a scary place to be. And you don't think you're going to come back. And that's why a lot of times when I'm working with grievers, I, I describe it this way. The only way out of this is through it. I've been on this journey before. Let me guide you. It's almost like we're going to be holding hands and I'm going to show you how to get out to the other side. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, it will be one of the most difficult things you do is work through your grief. Right. It's life changing. You're forever changed. Yeah. And, uh, and I know we're talking about the loss of a loved one or the loss of a child, but um, there are many reasons that we can grieve, right? And it shows up differently for different things, I would imagine. Yeah. Sometimes you'll hear Erica say, when Austin died, I felt like I handled it with grace. The anger is definitely a way that grief shows up. So it all depends. And sometimes there's layers to the grief, right? So I may be grieving a loved one, but yet in third grade or seventh grade, I got bullied for the entire year. And if we don't handle that grief, what do you think happens to it? It just stays there, right? So we have that guy bullied in the seventh grade. And then I fell in love with my high school sweetheart, but he broke up with me and um, married another girl just out of high school. So now I've got that grief and I'm going along and I can, I can manage it. I can stuff it down and stuff it down. And then all of a sudden, 
I have a child that dies. Well, all of that grief that's been stuffed down all those years now also comes to the surface. So sometimes we find a lot of times with grievers, yes, they came to me because they had this tragic loss, but this one thing in their past is still nagging on them and has now attached to this. In order for them to become complete, we got to grieve both things. And it seems foreign, but it really makes sense. Well, I, I know that, that to, to be true. I remember um, doing a, a process in, in ceremony where, uh, you know, my story is, and if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know, my biological mo- mother left when I was three. And the funny thing was, is the only time I've done personal development work, I'm like, I don't even remember her. I don't remember her leaving. My mother leaving at three had no effect on me whatsoever, as if. And uh, let's look at my stepmom because she's the one that messed me up. Right. Because <laughs> uh-huh. avoidance is one of those things, right? Um, and I remember in this process that I was going through, um, you know, asking God or the universe, like, you know, why had I guarded my heart so much? And it showed me my mother leaving when I was three. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and I, for the first time in my life, I got to grieve the loss of her. Now, what I felt was that that grief was stuck in my body somewhere and I finally Mm -hmm. had the opportunity to cry and to get it out. Um, And from that place, I was able to forgive her. Yeah. So I I understand that whole, like, if we keep pushing it down and pushing it down, that it will, it it just stays in there somewhere, you know, for it to come out. And it has to come out. It has to come out. Yeah. What an amazing story. Yes, absolutely. Yes, it has to come out. Even the absence of a mother or a father is a grieving experience. And so, so many times that is one of the stories that happens to us all the time. And we don't think that that's the thing, right? We we hone in on that. I was bullied in seventh grade, but you don't understand. I was bullied in seventh grade and people will tell me that. And I'll say, yeah, but tell me about your dad. Oh, I don't. I don't have a relationship with him. I don't even like him. Aha. Let's start there. So yes, it will come out in layers. It has to come out some way, right? So it will either come out in a buffering form, like we use a buffering technique. So um, I drink a little extra wine every night. I use some recreational drugs, right? I use anything I can to cover up the pain or um, illness, Sickness, stomach aches, irritable bowel syndrome, it's going to come out some way. Right. We can try and hold it down, but it won't. Yeah. And so, you know, you were mentioning how grief itself can show up in different ways and different forms. So I'm assuming that there's no rules that apply to everybody. No. Right? There's no rules that apply to everybody, anybody. I can grieve with someone. Um through, let's say the pandemic, right? That lost both parents. Mm. I can also have another person that lost both parents and it shows up totally different. They don't, they both, it all depends on a couple of things. Your relationship with the loved one that has died, your relationship with the loved ones that are in your life today, even your relationship with your pets, right? Even your relationship with your pets, because a lot of things we don't give credit to is when someone loses a pet that they love so dearly. You think we don't have, we don't have a space to talk about me losing my child. We have even less space to talk about losing my pet that I loved so dearly. So yes, 
depending on all of the things that are going on in your life and all of the connections that you have, your grief will show up differently every single time. Right. So even though there aren't any specific rules, I'm sure that there are some processes and things that we can do to help to guide us through that that really challenging time. Yes. And so the number one thing that we want to do is we want to allow the grief to be there. Mm. And this sounds, it kind of sounds simple, right? It sounds so easy. I can say, hey, girl, just let the grief be there. But sometimes I have to show them what does that mean. So if you're feeling sad, just let the sadness be there. Don't get up and go clean the kitchen because I'm feeling sad. Don't get up and go run errands. I'm feeling sad. This is what a lot of things we do. We try to avoid it and change the direction. Just be in the sadness for as long as you can stand it. Just let it be there. Almost sometimes I'll tell grievers, just acknowledge it. Tell it you see it's there. Hey, yeah. Hey, I see you sadness. Be there. Be in that sadness. Allow it to be there and just go through you. And it's really hard because that's not something we were taught in kindergarten all the way up, right? So number one is just allowing the sadness to be there. Acknowledge that you are grieving. Acknowledge that you are grieving and today might not be a good day. Yet tonight tonight might be a good day, but tomorrow may not. So we, we have to do that. Grievers need to talk. The number one thing that a griever needs is to talk. Find someone who is safe that will listen to you without judgment and, and create a safe place. That's why grief support groups do so well. You know, a lot of times people will say, well, you need a bereavement group or you need a grief support group because everybody in that group is a griever and they are going to listen to you and hear you with respect. Mm. So those are uh, like three of the most important things I think you can do right in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, definitely talking about it, it helps. Uh, and even having friends that can hold space for you just to yeah. you know, to get things out and, and not judge or not try and fix or anything like that, just, you know, hold that space, which brings me to my next question. So let's just say that you have someone in your life who is grieving something like the loss of a child or something that's, you know, huge. You know, I, yeah. I think a lot of people, we feel uncomfortable going, I didn't know what to say, so it kind of didn't reach out. And, you know, it's like, oh, I don't know what to do. And, and you know, and then, of course, when you finally do reach out, it's, you know, uncomfortable. But what are some of the things that we can do with the people that are in our lives that can really support them in a way to help them? I mean, I know not everyone's going to the same, but, you know, there must be some, you know, general things that we could probably do. Yes, 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 yes. So um, one of the mistakes that I made in the very beginning was I kept trying to fix Erica. Erica is the mother of Donovan and Austin, and she and I are 10 years apart. So I'm her older sister. So she and I, I always had like this, I got to take care of my little sister kind of thing. So the first thing that I went out to do was to fix her, fix her, right? And so don't try and fix anyone who's grieving. They don't need to be fixed. They're not broken. Their brains are not broken. Their heart is broken. That's number one. Acknowledge that for yourself. Number two, the number one thing that you can do is just listen. Just listen. Here's the other thing. If you are in the presence of them and you are listening, don't touch them. Don't touch them because our tendency is to, oh, honey, you know, rub their shoulder, rub their leg. Let's say I was sharing with you something really deep about Austin and I was doing the ugly cry and snot was running down my nose. And I just really wanted to share with you. And you reached out and you started to pat me on the back. Subconsciously, you're telling me, they're there, they're there, just stop. 
So if you're in the presence of someone who's grieving deeply, try not to touch them. Don't speak. Just listen. And here's the one of the most important things. Don't hand them any tissue. If the person wants tissue, they will grab the tissue. If you grab the tissue and hand it to them, you break the connection of what they're saying, just the same as, as patting them. Right. Just be a heart with big giant ears on the end. That's the best way we can hold space, right? Just listen. And here's the other thing. They're going to say some things that we don't agree with, but we're going to want to say, well, you can have another child. You know, you're never going to get over the loss of this child. God will never give you more than you can handle. At least he's in a better place. Don't say any of those things. <laughs> Just listen. Yeah. I don't think any of those things are not <laughs> any of that not appropriate, but yet, but we say that because we're nervous and we yes. want to say something. We want to help this other person feel better and really that's not our place, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. It, it, I understand. I've, I do understand that, you know, it's like, yeah. yeah. And when people, it's like, I know that you mean well, but no. <laughs> So uh, the other thing that uh, is the length of time that we're feeling grief. I mean, you know, there's obviously no rules about that either, you know. Um, yeah. Like some, I know some people are, that have lost a child will be like many years later and something will come up that will trigger that. Um, and, again, yeah. it's, you know, we, we want to be in this place where we're like it's okay because I think sometimes when we're in grief we're like, well, should we be on step five by now? What level of the grief process should I be in kind of thing? You know, and I, and I don't know whether that helps. Yeah. So I honestly say this um, really quick. I want to go back to the last thing. Do ask about their grief. Even if it's months later, ask them because most people aren't asking. So do ask. So I want to say that. Right. I honestly say this. There's no time limit. I have people who come to me that their fathers and mothers died 10 years ago and they're grieving right now today as if their mom or dad has just died partly because they stuffed it down partly because they put other stuff on it and so they never really dealt with it or like you said they could be triggered with it there is no time limit the the thing with time is it's the action steps that we do within time what action am i doing to help me work on this broken heart? Am I doing some grief healing yoga? Am I reading some grief books? Am I meeting with a grief specialist? What action steps am I doing within time to help me mend my broken heart? So if, if I do none of those, yeah, it can go on for 10 or 20 years. Mm. But if I absolutely go after it, maybe do some talk therapy, maybe do some yoga, maybe do some other things, How? what difference will I see in, in a shorter period of time? Right. So it's the action we do within time. All right, so i got to know what grief yoga is. That sounds awesome. <laughs> so I have an amazing client that just decided that um, after her daughter passed and she did some great work, she decided she was going to do some grieving yoga. So she actually does some breathing techniques and things like that to help you. Because remember, as we said, grief is going to come out in other ways. So what if I could get up and do some yoga? What if I could do some stretching within time while I'm having the grieving? And I see quite a bit of yoga uh, studios are offering grief yoga. Wow, that's cool. All right, so and and we just touched on this. So there obviously are some things that uh, that we can do that's going to help us to move through the process. So grief yoga yeah. is one. But yeah, let's let's talk about some of the other options that we have. So one of the things, absolutely, like we said, just feeling it. Talk therapy, getting into the therapy, getting into a grief support group. 
The other one I think is so amazing is journaling, mm. right? I have a couple of clients that are just writing, they're just writing uh, journals to their loved ones, to their person. Hey, here's some things I didn't get a chance to tell you that I still need to say, or this happened to me today. So journaling is a great way to take, uh, to work on your grief. Talking about it is absolutely a great way. Um, doing, adding in some exercise. What we don't want to do is take the pain and replace it with something. We don't want to replace the pain. The most important thing is to feel it because, and this sounds so cliche, I hate to say it, but it's so true. The only way you're going to heal it is by feeling it and feeling all the layers of it and feeling it to the depth. And sometimes I remember for me, I felt like I was absolutely going to die. Like I didn't think I was going to come out of the other end of it, but you do Mm. some kind of way. Miraculously, you do. Because I'm assuming that like if we don't go through all of those layers and we stay in, you know, in the grief for a long period of time, it just kind of keeps us stuck and tethered to that moment, right? Yes. It keeps us stuck and tethered to the moment. So there's two types of grief when I meet a griever. There's intellectual grief where their brain is telling them, go back to work. You're going to be okay. Pretend like this didn't happen. Or Pretend like he's just on a business trip and we can still function. Eventually, that's going to wear out. Eventually, your brain is not going to let you keep pretending that it's not there. That's intellectual grief. That's mostly where I find most grievers in the beginning. The second type of grief is emotional grief. Emotional grief is where we can do the healing. Emotional grief is where you're feeling it. Emotional grief is where the pain is. Emotional grief is where the love is. And that's where you do the healing work is down in your heart, not in your brain. Your brain was designed to protect you. And when it sees grief or experiences grief, I'm pretty sure the brain is like, there's a bear chasing us, run. And it just tries to get you out of there as fast as possible. And so what you got to do is pull it back in and go, no, I'm okay. I'm not going to die from this. I can survive this one day at a time. No, I, I, I agree with that too. Uh, and, and I think, I mean, I'm, I'm the type of person that had um, stifled my emotions for a long period of time, which I think was my coping mechanism after my mother left. So, you know, that's why yeah. that, that didn't affect me at all, really. <laughs> okay, but the thing is when you, when you, uh, you know, you're stifling one emotion, it, it doesn't just choose the emotions that you stifle, it's, you stifle all emotion. You know, yes. Um, and so, uh, you know, if that's uh, one of the, you know, uh, characteristics or, you know, behavior patterns that you have, um, it's even more important, you know, I think yes. to be able to, to lean into this and, but, and have the support to do that. You know, yeah. so, so I know that we're talking about, you know, there are the grief groups. Um, and again, you know, I, I is there a structure to how they would have those conversations or does just speaking it help to heal, you know? So I run my own grief groups and the way that I run mine, one is I have a private uh, Facebook group that for women that is absolutely beautiful, but I had a, um, I have never really gone to grief groups, but I did send Erica because I literally thought, this is how I'm going to fix her. I'm going to find her the perfect grief group. And then I kept sending her to these grief groups. And finally, she said to me, please stop helping me. Mm. 
because there were people in there that had been in some of the groups for like 33, 40 years. And she's like, they're still in the group. For me, the way I like to run the group is I just like to uh, ask thought-provoking questions. I just put it out there. How's your grief today? What does it feel like? I've had other clients that have come from other grief groups and they were doing crafts in the grief group, which is great if you're six months, one year, two years out. But if you're newly grieving and you come to the grief group and I say, today we're decorating a candle, some people, that's not for them. So you got to find the grief group that's right for you, the support group. I also think, you know, a combination of things is always great too. Maybe be in a private Facebook group, group, maybe be in a group at your church, maybe do some talk, talk therapy, do a combination of things. One of the things that I teach that is so different from what we find out there is I teach completion. Mm-hmm. What you did was complete your relationship with your mom. You completed that relationship to the pain, the loneliness, the isolation, all of the resistance. And I teach people how to complete their relationship on that journey with their loved ones. Right. Because that is sometimes the situation, right? Especially if it's happened suddenly, you're like, oh, there's things I should have said or I shouldn't have said that, but that was the last thing I said to them and now you carry that guilt. Um, Yeah. And having the completion of, you know, the connection of of your two souls in this lifetime, so to speak. Yes. Really does help to to heal that as well. I can see how important that would be. It's amazing. So, so Sharon, um, I thank you for the work that you do. Um, and I'm so grateful that we got to have this conversation. Um, yes. And uh, definitely it will help me when I have friends who are grieving, you know, knowing how to, to, to handle things better with them. Uh, so how can people reach out to you? Like how do you work with people and, and where can they reach out to you? So I'm at SharonBrewbaker.com and it's really easy. Just go to SharonBrewbaker.com. There you can set an appointment to meet with me. Erica is my head coach for me. So she definitely jumps in and she coaches quite a bit. And um, they can find me on Instagram, on Facebook. All of those are Sharon Brubaker. And I'm there. I love it. I love having conversations with people. I love talking about grief. I'm going to do this until the day I die. I'm going to help grievers through this process. Wonderful. I know. And at the beginning, I was thinking, how come you got the short straw and had well, the one that had to tell your sister both times? I'm like, well, wasn't there anyone else? It's actually an interesting story. So I have a brother who's a police detective. So I called him Donovan died. So I said, okay, well, after you talk to her, because in my mind, you're the police detective. You got the gun. You're the strong guy. I said, after you talk to her, call me back. And he said, don't you hang up the phone, is what he said to me. He goes, we're doing this together. And when she came to the phone, and he's our older brother, and so she's our youngest baby sister, he he couldn't say a word. He couldn't speak. And so I, he just, he fell apart. And so he and I were both on the phone. Thank you, brother. And um, I was the one that that had to tell her. But I had support. He was there with me. So Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're it's a brave hard. woman. And thank you again for the work that you're doing and how much it's going to be helping so many people because so many of us are grieving right now. Yeah. You know? So it's an yeah. important time. Thank you so much, yeah. Sharon. Great chatting with you today. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Not Over, Just Different. If you've been inspired by this episode and want to take the next step in your journey, be sure to check out our welcome pack. 
It's a great way to start your own personal development journey with the help of our amazing community. Next week, we'll be back with even more inspiring stories and practical advice for anyone ready to take on their next chapter in life, feeling fully empowered and full of passion for the journey ahead. And be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast by visiting notoverjustdifferent.com. Also, a five-star rating and review makes a huge difference in helping us get the word out. We'll talk to you again next week. Until then, keep living your best life.